Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. He died, was buried, and the third day he rose from the dead. He was crucified, he died, was buried, and the third day he rose from the grave. That phrase is the crux and core of the gospel as we have it written in the divinely inspired written word of God. It is often repeated by the apostles and other Bible writers. It was codified by the second and third church century fathers through the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, he was crucified, died, was buried, and on the third day, he rose from the grave. Because the third day represents the power of the resurrection. And so we began this new sermon series called fourth day. If the third day represents the power of the resurrection, then what about the fourth day or the fifth day or the sixth day? After the resurrection on the fourth day, was everything then perfect for the disciples and other Jesus followers? All of a sudden, did their sorrows or suffering or sacrifices or sicknesses or sins disappear? Obviously not. On the fourth day or the fifth day, did all of their issues all of a sudden become solved? Absolutely not. So why the fourth day? day. The fourth day because Jesus wanted his people to know how to live with courage and confidence after the third day. In fact, that is why Jesus did not immediately ascend or go up to heaven to be reunited with his father. He tabernacled here on earth for 40 long days. He did not immediately ascend to heaven, but he stayed here to live and domicile and reside with us for 40 long days. Why did he do that? He wanted to prove to his disciples that he was indeed alive. And they saw that time after time after time. He also wanted to solidify their faith in him and continue to teach them how they must preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom in words and deeds. And so 
the fourth day. The fourth day for the apostle Peter could not have started any worse. You ever woke up on the wrong side of the bed? Felt like you had two left shoes? That's how it was for Peter. This started as bad as it could be. The fourth day for him. He was so preoccupied with his colossal failure, having denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, that he thought that he was disqualified from kingdom service. Could not have started any worse. And then on top of that, Jesus had appeared to his disciples up to the point that we're going to look at today twice, and yet he had not said anything to Peter directly. And this was difficult for Peter because in actuality, Peter thought that he would have to live with this unresolved issue for the rest of his life. Jesus never mentioned it in the first two appearances. So Peter was struggling with what I want us to talk a little bit about. And my question to you for me is, are you wrestling with an unresolved issue in life? Or maybe you know someone in your family that may be struggling with an unresolved issue like Peter was. Let's delve into our text. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of his disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, that is Doubting Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and two other disciples. And Simon said, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. Well, we'll come to, they said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. So these seven disciples, two of them who are unnamed, decided to go with Peter when Peter said, I'm going fishing. Interesting phrase, I'm going fishing. What did Peter mean by that? I'm going fishing. Did he mean that I'm going back to that which is familiar? Did he mean that I just need to get away and think? Did he mean by I'm going fishing that this is a healthy distraction from the pain and confusion that I feel inside for my colossal failure? I'm going fishing. They said, we're going too. Well, I believe that it's all of that. Peter was wrestling with spiritual and mental anguish because of his failure, this unresolved issue, and he needed to escape. He needed to get away. He needed a healthy distraction. He wanted to get back to that which was very familiar so he could deal with the pain and confusion 
that he was facing. Unresolved issues will polarize or paralyze our present future. Repeat, unresolved issues will polarize or paralyze our progress in our present future. They may be unresolved in the distant past in my childhood, or they may be a recent history or some traumatic event. But whatever it is, I've got to solve my unresolved issues, whatever they are, so that I will not be polarized or paralyzed in terms of my progress for the present future. So I want to read a couple of scenarios, actually four, and you may or may not identify with these. You may know someone who does. Um, I changed the names uh, because the real names may have been kin to you. So here was scenario number one. John was fed up with his job. This is the third job he had quit in eight years. His trusted friend, though, asked him a question. Say, John, is the fault yours changing jobs three and eight years, or is it the fault of the companies? And for the first time, John was forced to admit his unresolved issue with authority figures. It was just hard for him to follow and take orders from others with an acceptable attitude. But he finally realized that unless he got to the bottom of the problem, he would keep on changing jobs. Scenario number two. For the third time in a year, Jane had offended her girlfriend's group. She asked, why does this keep happening? Is it me or is it them? Finally, two of her girlfriends shared what they believed was an unresolved issue of her codependency, which they knew she suffered from in childhood, and it caused her to be very needy or domineering, which made her hypersensitive at times and difficult to accept others when they didn't accept her ideas. Scenario number three, Justine was a new Jesus follower. She loved the church, its local outreach to the underprivileged, but suddenly one week she just stopped serving and going to worship. Her husband and children did not understand why. After about six months, her husband finally insisted that they sit down together and have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. And then she confessed that 18 months ago, the female officer over the local outreach, whom she greatly admired, revealed to another church member the unresolved, uh, 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 revealed to another church member a recent mental health diagnosis without her permission. So she was wrestling with the unresolved issue of forgiveness and bitterness toward that female church officer. And that prevented her from serving or worshiping. But she did not leave the church because her family was being benefited. And then lastly, Joe had a, a bad habit of stealing little things. A power tool here, piece of food there, piece of clothing from a friend or a sibling. And one day he was caught by a store clerk 
stealing a watch and almost was arrested, but he made restitution and avoided going to jail. He did not have a criminal background, but his encounter with these police authorities forced him to face an unresolved issue in his childhood. You see, Joe had grown up very, very poor in South America. And though he had a good job now, he feared not having enough. And so he would steal things, little things, to make sure that he did not lack. Are you wrestling with an unresolved issue that's polarizing or paralyzing your progress in the present future? Well, let's lift the transcript from Peter's lives. I'm sure we can identify. I want to look at these four things and then I'll take my seat. Number one, we look in this passage about Peter's unmistakable flashback. This scene with Jesus approaching them on the shore of the lake caused Peter to flash back. Let's see what happened. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach and the disciples couldn't see who it was, so he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John, the apostle, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work and jumped into the water and headed to shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the load um, to the shore. For they were only about 100 yards from shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. This was a flashback for the apostle Peter. Because three and a half years earlier, a similar incident happened. Peter was struggling with an unresolved issue and this flashback, deja vu, took him back three and a half years before. Walk with me. This is in Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Now, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, that's Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down, uh, and let your nets down for a catch. Master, Peter replied, we work all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat 
And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Now watch this. When Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. For I am such a what? Sinful man. Why? Because he didn't believe. He should have known better that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the master over the sea. But he was reluctant to take instructions. And when he saw the outcome, he recognized his unworthiness and said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful, unbelieving man. Two eerily similar incidents caused Peter to have an unmistakable flashback. Has deja vu ever happened to you? Has the Lord ever had to reassure you? If it seems like you are rewinding the tape, we've been through this before, Lord. But it was because of this unresolved issue, this sense of inadequacy that he felt. Secondly, an unresolved failure. Unresolved failure. Peter was dealing with unresolved failure. This flashback only compounded what he was sensing about his failure. Now we know that Peter denied Jesus three times, but we often don't go back and read it. Follow me as I go back and read the details that Luke gave, which are fascinating. That Jesus had been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples had scattered. So they arrested him, Jesus, led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them from there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, uh, this man was one of Jesus' followers. And Peter said, you're right, ma'am, and proud of it. Is that what he said? No, but Peter denied it. He said, woman, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, yeah, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. You know, Peter was, was cursor too. He didn't just say no man. Yeah. After an hour later, someone else insisted this must be one of them because he's a Galilean too. Because Jesus was known to be from Nazareth and from Galilee. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately when he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, watch this. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Unresolved failure. Weeping bitterly. Mental, spiritual anguish that he let the Lord down. And even when Jesus appeared, he, he didn't even address the issue. 
And Peter was living in perpetual agony and guilt for this unresolved failure. Here's the third one. Unmitigated forgiveness, that is forgiveness without limit. He was struggling because of unmistakable flashbacks and unresolved failure, but now he was about to experience unmitigated forgiveness, that is forgiveness without limits. And why was he forgiven this way? Here's what Jesus said to Simon before he even failed him. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, each of you, <clears throat> but particularly you. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, no, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison for you and even to die for you. But Jesus said, ah, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. But Peter experienced this unmitigated forgiveness. Why? Because he already let him know, I know you are going to fail me. Satan is going to tempt you greatly, not just you, but all of you, but particularly you. But don't worry about it, Peter. I prayed for you and already forgiven you so that when you get up, dust yourself off, <clears throat> you go and strengthen your brothers. That's what the breakfast was all about, this unmitigated forgiveness, forgiveness without limits. Watch this, John 21. Continue that passage. So he said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. And there were 153 large fish, and yet the net had not torn. Now Jesus, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. Come and have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had raised, been raised from the dead. I love that passage. Unmitigated forgiveness was Jesus' invitation to them to come and have breakfast with me. And he prepared for them grilled fish and bread. That's you and that's me. Did you know that I don't always need God to come to me personally, peer to me in a dream or a vision in order for him, me to experience his unmitigated forgiveness? Because like Peter, he already knew and already knows that I will fail him. My responsibility is to get up, dust myself off, and keep moving. That's what he's called me to do. So every time he allows me to wake up in the morning, he is giving me breakfast and he is clothing me and giving me health and strength. It's a sign of his unmitigated forgiveness. He doesn't always have to do anything special 
In fact, no matter what your colossal failure may be today, if you are looking at me, it wasn't final or you wouldn't be here. So God has given you unmitigated forgiveness. Now, there are two levels of forgiveness. One is judicial. That's between me and God. The other one is relational. That's between humans and humans. So when I have sinned against God, God judicially forgives me because of what Jesus did on a hill called Calvary. But when I've offended other people, then I need relational forgiveness as well, and I go to them. Now, if I go to them having experienced judicial forgiveness from God and they decide to withhold their relational forgiveness from me, then I have done what I've been called to do. And then it's in God's hand. But as humans, we need both. We need the judicial forgiveness of God. And when we've offended others, we need the relational forgiveness of others. Peter needed this relational forgiveness with Jesus because they had, in his mind, a ruptured relationship. And Jesus gave him forgiveness. Come and have breakfast with me. Three questions I need to ask myself. The first is, have you sought judicial forgiveness from God? Are you saying that I have failed once too often? I'll never overcome this. And so I'm not even going to ask God to forgive me again. I've done it so many times. No, you ask God to forgive you. If he's allowed you to live and allowed you to breathe and allowed to and kept you in your physical and basic needs, he is offering you unlimited forgiveness. He's cast out sins as far as the east is from the west. Have you asked him for judicial forgiveness? And then secondly, do you need to forgive someone relationally? Are you withholding forgiveness from someone relationally? Have you canceled someone out because of a disagreement or an offense that they have committed against you? And then thirdly, do you need to forgive yourself? Yes, I have judicial forgiveness from God, but I haven't forgiven myself and therefore I'm still paralyzed and can't make progress in my present future. You need to accept the breakfast invitation that Jesus is giving to all of us when he says, come dine with me. And here's the last one. God gave Peter unrestricted favor. He gave him unlimited forgiveness and then unrestricted favor. Watch this, I close. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Music to his ears. Feed my lambs. Peter thought he had been disqualified from kingdom service, but now Jesus gave him assignment. And his assignment was to feed, to shepherd the lambs. That's favor. I'll close with this. Jesus asked Peter that three times. And Peter was beginning to accept the forgiveness 
and beginning to understand the favor, but he wasn't quite there yet. So when Jesus says, Simon, do you love me more than these? You notice he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But he didn't say I love you more than these because he had said that before. I love you more than the rest of them. And yet he had failed. So he didn't want to say I love you more than these, but I do love you. He asked him a second time, Simon, <clears throat> do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, I love you. But I'm not going to say I love you more than the rest of them because I said that before and I failed and I don't want to fail again. But I do love you. He asked him a third time and Peter began to get upset because because he says, Lord, you are omniscient. You know all the know, but I'm telling you that I love you. Are you trying to tell me by asking me these questions again that I don't love you? I do love you. You know what's in my heart, but I'm not going to say I love you more than these because I said that before and I don't want to fail you again, but I do love you with everything I got right now. And that's where he wants us. He wants us to love him with what we have right now. Listen, and you know what Jesus did for him? Guess who was the person he selected to give the inaugural message on the day of Pentecost when thousands were gathered. He chose the one who had the greatest failure and gave him the greatest favor by allowing him to preach the word of God, the gospel, by telling them he was crucified, dead, and buried, but the third day he rose from the grave. And Peter could talk about forgiveness because he had been forgiven himself. Favor! And that's what you and I have. Oh, I love his word. The greatest failure turned into Jesus choosing him with the greatest favor because he got up, dusted himself off, accepted the forgiveness and invitation to dine with Jesus and kept moving. I hope I'm talking to somebody. Don't know where you are, but get up because he's giving you unlimited forgiveness and he's still giving you favor. Accept it and go to work. Let's pray together. Ah, gracious God, our Father, thank you for the life of Peter. Thank you for the fourth day Thank you for hanging around and not immediately ascending back to heaven. Thank you for tabernacling and domiciling and residing with us for 40 more days in order to teach us how to apply the resurrection power, the fourth day, fifth day, the sixth day, and beyond. And so we pray that if there are any unresolved issues in our distant past, or our recent past, we ask that you would help us to settle them. If there is judicial forgiveness, we need to ask of you, move someone to do that. If there is relational forgiveness that we need from someone else we may have offended, we ask that you would help us to do that. If we are withholding relational forgiveness from somebody else because of our own hurt, or bitterness, we help, ask that you would help us release them and ourselves. 
Thank you for favor and for inviting us to breakfast, giving us life and liberty and health and strength and another chance to pursue your plan and purpose for our lives. We praise you. In the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords, even Jesus, our Savior, do we pray. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, musical worship director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.